the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. Do we want to compare bylines? How many? Harry Horn. We're supposed to keep this thing moving, be fresh. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about Mavericks. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome into our Mavs podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Sherrington. There is Evan Grant. There is no Barry Horn today. Barry's on vacation. I'm going to play the part of Barry. Are you really? I will ask something ridiculous. <laughs> That's very nice. Very nice. And on the podcast today, we're uh, very fortunate and glad to have on Dell Harris, uh, an old friend. And uh, Dell, it's great to have you on. Well, thank you. Yeah, you got that. You emphasized the old on that, didn't you? I, I, well, you know, I, I didn't mean it that way. I just well, mean it for a long time. But, you know, Dell, I'm no chicken either or spring chicken. So, <laughs> so we're, that's, that's moving on a little bit. Dale, you have you over the weekend. You were just recently. You were, did a little Fox uh, work uh, uh, talking mm-hmm. about the NBA. Tell us a little bit about what you what you did in that uh, in that uh, uh, little bit of work with them. Well, I did the pre and post game last night. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the, the Matt Bell's game, and uh, did a couple uh, the week before. I've been doing uh, the Pels for uh, the last five years. Uh, two years before that, I did. Uh, the Mavericks on uh, Fox Sports Deportes uh, it, it's a Spanish play-by-play uh, play, uh, color, uh, but then they, they did away with uh, that particular uh, program. So anyway, uh, I've been uh, I was on the, on the job last night, and it, it was uh, not pretty from uh, the Pell's viewpoint, uh, but certainly was a relief from the Mavericks. Tell us a little bit of, you know, one of the things we saw in that game is, of course, we've seen so far from Harrison Barnes, a surprise in my, from my standpoint was that he's played so well, and, he, and, he, and he's done a really good job asserting himself as the number one. Hold on a minute. Evan wants to say something. Are you surprised that he played so well because he didn't play well in preseason, or are you surprised because of the signing? No, no, no. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm saying it's because of what happened to him, uh, because of what he was in Golden State and what he did in the preseason, what he did in the limited exposure he got during the Olympics, all of that. Dell, you, you, what, what is your, your your take on Harrison Barnes' start? Well, it was a perfect setup. Uh, you know, he he lowered expectations. Yes, he did. Uh, just just like you, uh, you you referred to there in those particular circumstances, but actually uh, he had a, a lot of good games. Uh, when he was with the, um, the Warriors out there. And, uh, of course, my uh, oldest son is the assistant general manager of the uh, Warriors, so I uh, kind of keep tabs with them pretty well. And, uh, you know, he, he was a, a good player there. It's just hard to stand out when you you can't be any better than the fourth option on a team. And, and uh, that doesn't mean you're a bad player. What it means is they had three pretty great players ahead of him, that's all. And now he's able to blossom. And, and confidence is everything in athletics. I mean, once you have a modicum 
probability. Obviously, uh, <laughs> super confidence won't help you if you have no ability. But for a guy like him, he just needed to be, I think, uh, uh, put in a position uh, of responsibility and given some confidence. And, uh, you know, he, he had uh, early on in the regular season, he had a couple of bad games, then boom, he got a breakthrough. And since that time, he's he's been really good. And, uh, of course, uh, he and uh, Wes Matthews took over in that fourth quarter last night when uh, a lot of times uh, the Mavs over the last two or three years have had trouble closing it out once uh, they could kind of see the light at the end uh, in a ball game. And so last night uh, they hung right in there and, withstood a pretty strong charge by uh, uh, Anthony Davis, who was trying to, to pull his lethargic bunch out of a hole. Dale, let me ask you, I want to ask you about Wes Matthews, too, because that's a very pivotal part of this team uh, and, their, and whatever fortunes they have this season. But going back, I want to pursue this a little bit more with Harrison Barnes. Do you think the fact that Dirk has been uh, out with the Achilles problem, is that actually been fortunate for Barnes in that he, he is now – okay, he is the number one option. He doesn't have to defer to Dirk, and he has been allowed to, to do that. that. That certainly has been a factor in, in him blossoming, as you say. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and uh, it's also uh, forced the organization to uh, give him confidence. I mean, whether they wanted to or not, which I'm sure they did, it's just that as long as you have Dirk, you're kind of uh, – you know, partial to him, you're, even though Dirk is, is all the time deflecting and saying, no, you know, you got to go the other direction, he's the guy, and so forth. But uh, until, you know, the team, the fans, the organization, you know, just the whole uh, scene uh, kind of starts to direct their positive thoughts toward him in terms of need and in terms of, Believing that uh, you know you have it to to give, uh, I think that just set him up. And when Dirk comes back, I agree with you. I think that uh, again because of Dirk's total team attitude and unselfishness, why it'll be comfortable for Harrison to go ahead and and continue this role. So here here's the question I've got, uh, Dill, on a on just a general basis. Does this Mavericks start surprise you? Does it surprise you based on the fact that, that e- they're playing this poorly even without Dirk as, as, as a factor, or, or or could you see this kind of evolving? Well, I, I think that everybody could see the clouds because uh, even without Dirk's injury, there were already – a passel of other injuries and, and to an older team and with players with a history of injuries. So uh, it was going to be tenuous. I think even the, the most positive of fans could see going forth uh, from the beginning. And then when these nagging injuries just kept hanging on, uh, it's just been tough. I mean, whether you're looking at Harris or Williams or Dirk or uh, Matthews, uh, it's just too many. And then the young guys really aren't quite there yet. I mean, to depend on Anderson or Mejri or, or these guys, it's just too soon for 
those guys to carry heavy loads. So uh, now, Dale, in your career, but you've done a, a little bit of everything. You you have been an assistant coach. You've been a head coach. You've been and you've had great success in the NBA, coaching the Lakers, coaching the Rockets. You you've you've been a little, done a little bit of it all. But there was a period there early in the '80s when you were uh, coaching the Houston Rockets when the team was not so good, and uh, and that's one of the the things we want to talk about this morning as the, as this season unfolds for the Mavericks. We don't know what's going to happen with it. Uh, it at the moment they have the worst record in the NBA, um, and that may continue. Uh, certainly, if they keep having these injuries and the, and if Dirk can't get on the floor more often and. Uh, and Devin Harris continues to have problems, and, and Darren Williams con- continues to have problems. Uh, I do think that the Wes Matthews shot returning is going to help the Mavericks' fortune some if that continues as well. Uh, but what is that like when you're coaching a team and, and the decisions that are made uh, that, that force you to do things as it did for you when you were coaching the Houston Rockets uh, in the 1982-83 season? By the way, you left out the Bucks. The Bucks. You know, I'm sorry. Coach. I did leave out the Bucks. Yeah, I, was, I was general manager of, of them as well as it. So, Way to go, so, Kevin. Well, I'm, uh, that's right. I, <laughs> well, I anyway, I just you 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 said I'd done about everything, and actually I have. <laughs> you know, um, so uh, but uh, anyway, the, the reason I bring that up is because uh, I was faced with this particular situation you're talking about twice. Uh, once with the Rockets, one, one uh, with the Bucks. With the Rockets, uh, I started out there as uh, assistant coach uh, with Tom DeSalty, and uh, after three years, I became head coach, and um, the, uh, the Rockets had never made the playoffs two years in a row, and uh, we made it uh, four years in a row, and uh, then at that particular point, and we went to the NBA Finals in 1981, but at the end of 82, Moses, who had been MVP twice and was MVP that particular year, scoring 31 points and 14.7 rebounds, became a free agent. We had a new owner come in who had not been with us in the playoff years, and uh, he bought the team for, believe it or not, a team that's worth now probably $1.5 billion. Uh, he bought it for $9.5 million, and uh, Philadelphia offered Moses to come play with them, and he said, hey, heck with that, I'm not signing him, I'm not signing our other two free agents. There are two prizes out there, and we're going to get one of them. And uh, they were either Ralph Sampson or Akeem Olajuwon, uh, who was local, was just going to be a junior, uh, senior, you know, he, uh, Sampson was coming out. So we get one of those guys uh, in the coin flip. There was no lottery. And uh he said, you know, just play the young guys. Don't worry about winning, but try to win every game. Don't throw any games, you know. We, we're not wanting to do that, but we, we're not going to make any deals during the year. They didn't. We won 14 games. Uh, it's the only uh, bad season I had as, as head coach in the NBA. I told them, well, that would be good for you. That won't be good for me. They said, oh, no, no, we'll take care of you. Well, they did. It's New Jersey style, uh, they just left out the cement blocks. But uh, so then, uh, several years later, I was coaching the Milwaukee Bucks, and we had uh, had a great run. We had made the playoffs fourteen years in a row, and um, so. But we got to a point where uh, 
we were in trouble. Uh, we uh, Jack Sigma had uh, just retired, uh, who had been our stalwart center for the previous four years, and um, Dale Ellis uh, went down with a back injury and had a back operation. He was our lead scorer, um, and so forth. And the team was old. Now the prize out there, and this was in the lottery year. The prizes out there were Jack and Morning. And so I'm head coach. I've already gone through this. I'm not going to go through it again. I told our owner, I said, look, here's what we should do. We should go ahead. We're not going to make this playoffs this year. And uh, we should go ahead and make some deals, move the assets that we have while we're still pretty good. And <clears throat> we'll have a chance to get one of these guys. And I think it's a thing to do. He agreed with me and then ultimately disagreed with me because we were still in the playoff hunt. Uh, and I turned it over after 15 games. I turned it over to my, my assistant coach, and I went out and did scouting and so forth uh, or, and made, tried to make deals. When I had the deals, he turned them down because he said, no, we're a small market, and we've got to be in the lottery. I mean, uh, be in the in the playoffs. Yes. And I said, well, we're not, going, we're not going to be, believe me. That's back when the East was there in the West. I said, look, look away, it's stacked at the end. We're not, we could make it today, but we're not going to make it. Well, I said, if you don't make this, you have a chance of being in the lottery for the next five to seven years. If you do make it, maybe one now, maybe two, but then, then it's going to be a ride. Well, they didn't do it fired me at the end of the year, and uh, they were seven years before they ever got in the playoffs again. So my point is that if there is a, a, a really pot of gold, you're, you've got a Shaq, Morning, you've got uh, Elijah Wan, Samson, Ewing, who was also a junior that year. If, if you know by bailing out, you've got a, a great chance of getting one of these types of players at a point in the season it makes sense to bail. But uh, overall, I agree with what Cuban said in the paper this morning, that you know you, you compete and you try and, and you uh, if you miss and you still, if you scout well, you still have a shot at at getting a decent player, and particularly when I don't see anybody out there right now that you could say, well, if we get that first round next pick, we're, we're uh, living in uh, high heaven uh, for the next eight or ten years. Yeah, that's, right. there's, there's not I, – I think as we go into this NBA, this NCAA season, the general feeling is that there is not a franchise-type player – who will be coming out after the year that would really kind of of, of be a uh, uh, a motivation for a team to tank? I, I agree with that. I, I mean, and there's going to be good players. There, there's you know, there's really a lot of good, good players. But the difference between the first three picks and the tenth, twelfth, thirteenth pick is you know, it, it's more a, a, a manner of of how he fits into a program and how you develop him once you get him because 
none of them is going to be ready to be the franchise player. Uh, there's no LeBron and uh, you know that sort of player out there. You know, for for me, Dale, though, the the, the uh, kind of the hamster wheel that you're on a little bit, if you're the Mavericks, is as Dirk has aged and as the team has started a turnover, we've seen this team be a six, a seven, an eight in the Western Conference over the last few years in a conference where it is very top-heavy uh, and, and it is, you know, a basically a guaranteed first-round loss. And how long do you want to stay on that hamster wheel? Well, you don't. You never wanted to get on in the first place, uh, of course. But the, the problem was in, in terms of philosophy that uh, Mark uh, did not, uh, you know, put a lot of stock in the draft, and um, they really haven't used the, the development league to say like uh, they're starting to this year, but they haven't really used the development league like uh, San Antonio and Houston and some other teams now, uh, 16 teams own their teams, which uh, the Mavericks don't own the legend. They have a unique relationship in that Donnie's the owner, but uh, the organization has to be committed to sending players and really working, you know, with our coaches and stuff to, uh, because I'm vice president of, of the Legends, I have been uh, with them since they started, and um, so, uh, you know, we're here to, to help, but uh, so right now, when you look at our roster, it's math like, uh, you don't have players that have been drafted uh, significantly. You've got Devin Harris, but he was traded away uh, for a kid and uh, gotten back. But uh, other than him, you you got you know these younger guys, Anderson and so forth. But uh, it's not filled with a bunch of people that we uh, drafted and. You know, the hope was we'd be able to really grab hold of free agents because Mark was willing to spend for them, but we were unable to attract them for various reasons. And uh, so it just, we're paying a price. Uh, I know uh, Mark desperately wanted to win a championship, and he gave up a lot in terms of youth, draft picks, and young guys to get kid, which gave him that opportunity. And I know. Dallas was hungry for that, and it worked. And so, but in terms of the franchise, that's a risky thing to do. And uh, so they're they're paying for that. But you know, they're they'll come out of it. Uh, the Lakers have gone through it. The Celtics went through it. The Chicago Bulls went through it. Detroit went through it after having really great runs. It's just hard to be good all the time. Are you going to have to bottom out though? At some point, well, that doesn't necessarily work. Ask Philadelphia and right. ask Brooklyn. Right. Uh, it, the best, the best thing is uh, Ray Patterson uh, was my general manager at uh, at Houston when I started in the NBA, and um, and uh, he was general manager of, of Milwaukee uh, when they won with Kareem and. Um, he told me early on that the most important thing is the health of the franchise. He said, 
You can't always listen to the coach. He said, I'm not always going to do what you want to do. Uh, if you listen to the coach all the time, the coach wants to win today. But today isn't always the best uh, way to go for the franchise. Whatever moves you make, you've got to be looking at the overall health of the franchise. And uh, so he, we did that uh, when, we, when, when we tanked out because he could see that that was an effective way at that time. That's not what he did up in uh, Milwaukee when he added, because uh, he, he got Kareem, but then he added Dr. Robertson, and, uh, and, and he had good draft picks and, and so forth. So uh, that's just got to be your philosophy. So whatever it takes to get the long-term health, not the short run, is the best way to look at it, and, you know, sometimes you, you hit, sometimes you miss because it's an imperfect science putting together a team. Yeah, that's for me. That's the issue here, Dell, because you you look at it, and one of the reasons why the Mavericks were and and Mark and and Donnie looked at the draft with such disdain was because we've gone to the one and done. And there's so many freshmen. If you look at this upcoming draft uh, with the with the mock drafts and what people are projecting, other than the the European players, the first. 15, 18 guys, uh, until they get down to Grayson Allen, I guess, are, are all freshmen. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. and to see a fr- – you know, so, so we're still waiting. We're, we're projecting based on what these guys did in high school. So we're, so we're, yeah. we're projecting right now, you know, that we're going to have to wait until this season is over to really to know. And there's going to be more development in the NBA with those guys than, than the guys, you know, when Dell mentioned Sampson and Akeem – and Ewing and Morning, these were all third, and in some cases, actually seniors. These were all guys right. who, who had experience and were ready to go to the NBA. Oh, absolutely. There was and, no question about them. Right. There was no question. So that, that is what makes it what you're just talking about. To me, and I agree with what you said about uh, what Mark Cuban said this morning. To me, I, I, I would call it a natural tank with the, with the Mavericks. What you do is you just let this play out. You, you, you take care of Dirk, and, you know, he's got this Achilles problem. It's going to be a problem all year long. I mean, I, I yeah. think it's to the, to, the, to the potential that Dirk may look at it after this season is over and say, you know what, I know I had a two-year deal. I, I think I'm going to walk. Yeah, and I just don't think you can I, – I, I hate the aspect of saying, okay, you're going to go out and try to lose games. No. You go out there, you try and win with what you got. If the That's talent right. isn't good enough – it's going to show up. And if Dirk's not available to play on a regular basis, it's going to make this team that much less competitive. Yes. Dell, yeah, I, I agree with that. And, uh, well, thanks for having me on, fellas. Oh, uh, Dell, you're great, as always. I love, to, I love talking to you, Dell. You always straighten me out about uh, anything I might be thinking about the NBA. Dell, the next time we have you on, we're going to have a long conversation about Dale, Indiana, okay? Hey, what do you know about Dale, Indiana? Well, you know, I uh, I grew up in Atlanta. I went to Georgia State University, and when there I was there, go. Bob Reinhart was the head coach. And right, uh, let me cut you off. Let me cut you off because I'm sure we're running out of time. But this is something that <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> but Bob Reinhart uh, is going to uh, go into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame this year. Now that announcement will not be made. <laughs> till uh, December six, but uh, we'll embargo that. Well, there that... are three of three of us from, from the, with Dale Roots that are in, uh, with them thus be in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. Roger Kaiser and Roger uh, Kaiser Bob from Georgia Tech. Myself. 
and we were all childhood friends. Uh, and uh, while I didn't go to high school with them, I went to high school up in central Indiana. All my family's from there, and I actually coached there. I coached Roger and Bobby's brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, but uh, so Bob, uh, I've been campaigning to get Bob in uh, the Indiana uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, he was a great coach, uh, three times uh, uh, Georgia Coach of the Year, seven times Atlanta Area Coach of the Year, went to Georgia State, got them in the uh, NCAA for the, for the first time ever, then went directly to the Hawks bench, and for the last 22 years has been scouting in the NBA. How's that for a resume? The, Pretty good, huh? He's a great human being, and, and uh, yep. when when we were there, I uh, I was I was part of the school paper. We went and played Evansville, and I, I scanned my way into traveling with the basketball team, and and on the oh, way to wow. Evansville, he made a stop in Dale for the day, and it was it was a great day. So, um, uh, <laughs> one stop. There's only one stoplight. <laughs> I think there was a there. There might have been a diner there that was still in operation when he was in high school. So, oh, yeah, um, oh, yeah, it was uh, it was Wendell's. Uh, that that <laughs> was probably it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. No, no question. Well, thanks. Uh, that, that brightens my day a whole bunch. Thanks for letting me know that, and I will. Uh, I'll be in touch with him, and we'll have you on again soon. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Dale. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. There goes Dell Harris. He's one of my favorite people. You know, you know, Dell is a licensed minister. Did you know that? He didn't bring that up either. There, I could have gone on a long time with the intro for Dell Harris because of all the things he's done, uh, but it would have cut on to the entire podcast. I'd like to minister to you, Kevin. Oh my gosh, stop it! All right, that was uh, that was Dell Harris talking about the math. A lot of good stuff there about uh, lotteries and and uh, the dangers of tanking and all the rest of it. Speaking of lotteries, I wasted another ten dollars on Saturday. Oh Did not gosh. win the four hundred and three million dollars. So uh, are I you be- are you like my wife? She only wants to do it when it's a whole lot of it, it is i don't want to mess with the 40 million oh yeah bucks. no 40 who, who needs, needs 40 that million? if it's when it gets to triple digits then i'll in, yeah. i'll invest right now all right so we we're done with dell we talked to the cowboy we talked cowboys with david moore now we we're going to get into college football and there really isn't much to talk about but no, we'll try no. and, and somehow get our way through with this. our old buddy tim brando oh tim's never got anything to no, say no he's very reticent all right, so stick around for some college football talk on, on the Ballsy Podcast. Uh, I'm Evan Grant, and he's Kevin Sherrington. Goodbye.